Morning, everyone. God loves you, and it's empowering. Ah, it's on the screen. Thank you. And beneath that statement of intent for this morning's sermon, we can see the first verse, and I hope you can see it as clearly, yes. And so we know and rely on the love of God has for us. That's where this journey began for this sermon. I like to personalize scripture as much as I can, and I'm sure you do. So I would say, and so I know and rely on the love God has for me. Can we all say that? And so I know and rely on the love God has for me. You are not the mistakes you've made. You aren't the labels that you have been put on you. And you aren't the lies the enemy tried to sell you. You are who God says you are. You're a child of God. You are beloved of God. God doesn't love you because of who we are. God loves us because of who he is. When we succeed, God says, I love you. And when we fail, God says, I love you. When we have faith, God says, I love you. When we doubt, God says, I love you. God's love is the answer. God's love is the answer to every question, even those not yet asked. Why? Because he is love. His nature is love. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any more or any less. God loves you perfectly, he loves you eternally, and he loves you today. Question, have we been deafened by the voice of our past and its conflicts, the voice of criticism, the voice of condemnation, and the voice of doubt? Have we allowed ourselves to listen to the loudest voices to exercise control over our lives. But our Heavenly Father wants to hear us to hear what he is saying. We are accustomed to love with strings, love with conditions, love that comes and goes, love with limits. But when we come to the love of God, we find something completely different. We don't find a God who loves if or a God who loves when or a God who loves as long as. We find a God who loves because it's his very nature to love. I want to say something a little bit outrageous. I may have used this concept before, but I hope you see the point I'm trying to make. Picture this, we're having coffee after the service and Jesus turns up and he walks right the way through the hall and comes and talks to me. We laugh, we joke, we share, we cry. It's an interesting scene. He seems to be ignoring everyone except me. It's as though no one else is present. 
Now, to those observing the scene, it might feel a little outrageous and wrong. But for some of those present, that feels about right. Because in truth, you have never really come to terms with the idea that God's love is for you. Close up and personal. And that somehow it feels right that that your Christian performance is so poor that you don't deserve any better. And you're not surprised that Jesus walked past you in that scene. It's a problem which needs sorting. If not, it will forever prevent us from truly engaging with the Lord in close relationship and serving him in the way in which both of you and he will appreciate and thoroughly enjoy. I'll come back to that scene. It's not as it seems, but I'll come back to it later. I was talking in a Zoom meeting with a a group of people and a dear friend, a, a mature believer, absolutely, shared with us the fact that he felt at times unloved by God, that somehow he was continually failing to reach the high standard that God required, and therefore God didn't love him. That's troubling. What to do? My next scripture is, God has chosen you. You are holy and beloved by him. We might want to say, God has chosen me. I am holy and beloved by him. Personalize it. Personalize scripture. Let's say that together, shall we? God has chosen me. I am holy and beloved by him. Unlike our own experience with what passes for love, God's love finds its origins in himself. He loves us not because we are particularly lovable. He loves us because he is love. And that is very good news, isn't it? It's good news because we know deep in our hearts that we are not necessarily lovable. Not really, or at least not permanently. But God never changes. His character is as sure and certain as the very fabric of the universe. This is the source of his love. And because it is, we can rest securely in it. How has God shown this love to us in the new covenant relationship? We have another scripture here. This is how God shows his love for us. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God loved us first, and now it's our great privilege to love him in return. The cost of this love from God is astronomical, almost unbelievable, and yet it is absolutely true. God says that he loves you, And steps he took upon Calvary's hill proved it. Every step taken on Calvary's hill proved God's love for you and for me. What is your status before the Lord today, right now? When I was a kid, I went to Sunshine Corner. I know several of you remember that name. In fact, if I asked, I know one or two who could sing it. And he's smiling over there because we sang it in house group the other night. I'm not going to do it. 
I was thinking about inviting you to come up, Peter, and sing it. Sunshine Corner. Oh, it's jolly fine. Is that the words? It's for children under 99. All are welcome. Seats are given free, and so on and so forth. That's where I had my first encounter with Jesus. I have to say they gave away sweets, which was always a draw. But I did have a real, a, a real encounter with the Savior at Sunshine Corner. And I went along uh, through the church over the years into my teenage years. But later, in late teenage years, I didn't follow the Lord. I would never deny Jesus, but I wasn't zealous for him. And I drifted through life. I went into the army. But during that time in the army, I had a, a, should we say, an adult encounter with the Lord, and he drew me back to himself. And I said to the Lord just recently, as I was before him in prayer, I said, Lord, what did you think of me? How was my status with you during the period of my backsliding? And just one word came to me. Loved. One word, loved. See, I'd made that commitment, and we'd had, we'd, there was this relationship that began in Sunshine Corner, a real relationship, a covenant relationship, which whilst I may have forgotten and turned aside from, God never forgot and never turned aside from. He took it very seriously. And for those here today in covenant relationship with God, what is your, uh, your status? Your status is loved continues to be loved. I like it, loved and lavished, because there's a nice scripture coming up here. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And of course, elsewhere, Jesus told us that we're no longer orphans. Uh, John 14. Loved and lavished. What What a statement to say. God I'm loved and lavished. I think about cream tea when I think of loved and lavished. I think of, is it the jam first or the cream first? Loved and lavished. On Spike Milligan's grave in Essex, it says in Gaelic, I told you I was sick. Most of us have heard that one before, I think. Witty to the end, one might say that comedy defines Spike Milligan. What defines us? What will you put on your gravestone? I said to Rich the other day, I said, I'm not going to have one. I'm not going to have a gravestone because I've I've asked the Lord to take me in one of three ways. Like Enoch, who walked with God and was not. Like Elijah, who went off in a a flaming chariot. Or my best preference is Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus, return. So I'm not going to design my gravestone because I won't need one. Now, we're defined by many things, things done by us or to us, good or bad. I want us to be defined by God's love, his empowering love. Not all of us had a great start in life. Some of us had difficult family upbringings. For myself, my brother and I, when my mother left home, uh, as my brother was a toddler, I was a babe in arms, we went into care. I only found this out recently, um, and until my grandmother rescued uh, us. And I know that such history attempts to define us, defense to define me. 
anxiety and fear can be brought on by difficult family histories. But morning and evening, I wake and sleep to the same words in my mind. Heavenly Father, I thank you that I'm your child and that you love me. Whatever the day will bring or has brought, the same is true. Your love never changes. You might say, okay, Steve, you are in reasonably good health. You have a few bob in the bank, nice home, lovely wife, Hazel. It's easy for you to speak about God's love. Try sharing my life for a couple of days and you might have a different opinion. Where is God when I hurt physically, uh, mentally and emotionally? Where am I? Where's God in all this? And I'm sorry for your struggles, but it does not and cannot change the truth. God loves through the good and the bad times. He is with us. He's closer than breathing. But why did God put us in a church? He did it so that when we struggle with the challenges which life brings, we are never alone. We take our significant issues to God, and then he sends us to one another. By faith, God comes to us in person, But brothers and sisters are his hands and his ears, his eyes and his feet, acting in loving concern. In prayers and visitations, good deeds and sacrificial works, you are my responsibility and I am yours. And in this way we reflect the love which is God. Now the Apostle Paul had every right to question God's love for him. Another in beating, beating, another imprisonment, uh, a shipwreck, treated yet again as a fool. He must have been tempted to doubt God, but he never did. In our reading today, uh, read by Janet, we see what Paul says about things that might have separated him from God's love. The list is extensive, even excessive, but it allows so much scope for adding all that life can throw us at us in these modern days. Just to pick out the last verse of that reading, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. So there's room for all the challenges which life brings. Add them all, even those which seem intractable. Add your illness, add your family concerns, add your finances, add your marriage, add your employment to Paul's list and say to Father God, I am so glad that you're in this with me. That's our privilege. God's loving us because it's his nature to love. And our response is a privilege to give him all those concerns that we have. It's wonderful, isn't it? Now, we have a sense of the scope of God's prevailing and abiding love for us. What about the scale? Here we have Ephesians 3.18. Paul prays that we may have the power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This love is 
of God is massive. And Paul's saying basically it's, it's immeasurable, it's indescribable, and it's almost unknowable to the extent that our feeble brains can take it in. And this love can undertake for us in every area of our lives. It's so mind-boggling we're tempted to deny its very existence. The Father God, Father's God's love is massive, and yet he knows the number of hairs on your head. His love is massive, but he sees the sparrow fall. There are billions of people on the earth, and God knows every one of them intimately, and that includes you and me. And we've seen the scope and the scale of God's love. Let's look at the purpose. Did you notice that if the disciples can experience the fullness of Christ's love for them, they can be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God? That's just highlighted in bold there on this scripture. The fullness of love brings with it all those gifts and graces which God has promised to bestow on man and which he dispenses to the church. To experience the divine love is to enjoy fully the divine plan for our redemption in the present world and the calling which God has put on our lives. My title of this talk is God Loves You and It's Empowering. I'm concerned for this. Even Paul said, having run the race, he might fail to win the prize for the high calling of God. And I say to myself, I don't want to get to heaven. And Jesus said to me, hi, Steve, you missed it. There was so much more I wanted to involve you in. I wanted to engage with you, but you didn't listen. You didn't take time out. Having the absolute confidence of God's amazing 24-7 love for us, we receive confidence to seek and to do those things which God has called us to, to know the calling, the gifting, and the power to serve Jesus Christ. Salvation is not simply an insurance policy to get us into heaven. It's not the end, it's the beginning. It's a loving relationship which empowers us to serve like we have never served before. Stop denying, start believing that there is more, much more that is coming your way. Life becomes exciting the church blossoms, the kingdom of God extends, God is glorified. We have hope and we are not disappointed. Romans 5 5 is in my next scripture. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And the bit that I'm going to read now is not by me, I just lifted it off a book which I saw recently, who's the author whose name I have sadly forgotten. But I'm just going to read these few verses or paragraphs. Christian hope shines out from the eternal flame of God's burning love for us and does not rest on the flickering candlelight of our scant love for him. Christian hope is an ever-flowing fountain of the unfathomable love of God, cascading into our hearts, washing through our lives, Christian hope is the highest expression of glorifying God, for it springs from a trusting heart that believes God's word about his love for us. It's the assurance that what we hope for in Jesus Christ will happen, and the certainty that what we cannot see exists. It is believing the word of God to be factual 
as we stand fast on the gospel of grace, even when the evidence in our world is denied by our logic, even when the testimony of our physical senses witness to the contrary. It is the hope of God's love in our heart that is confirmed through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Think how life would be if we have a settled conviction that because of God's character and competence, his love and his determination, we would be utterly safe in him and able to move out in those things which God is calling us to do. My anxiety levels will drop. I will be less hurried because of my inner calmness and poise. Assured of God's love, I would not be defeated by guilt. I would accept that failure happens from time to time. Worry would, not, would no longer make me focus on myself. I would not be robbed of joy, energy, and compassion. I would risk everything for Christ as they take up my calling and my gifting, which otherwise is gathering dust on a shelf somewhere. <clears throat> I would have an unabashed, an unashamed confidence of being safe in God's hands. Think of this. If you know this love, you are the church's next jubilant Joshua, the next serving Sarah, the next good news Gideon, the next devoted Deborah, the next undivided David, an evangelistic Esther, a passionate Peter, a Mary modeler, a powerful Paul, humanly weak, but in God so very, very strong. And all of this because your Heavenly Father loves you. There's more coming our way, folks. I said we would return to that scene which was making us feel a little bit uncomfortable earlier. Well, the presence of Jesus is everywhere. And in that setting, in fact, everybody saw Jesus come to them. It wasn't just about me. Just to put your minds at rest. He is everywhere present. Let's pray. We can just grasp, Lord, the height, the depth, the width, the length of your love for us every second of every moment of every day. We can take hold of this. Lord, we, there's so much you would want to achieve through our lives. Help us, therefore, to take hold of the knowledge of this love. Grant us the insight we need, not only to know your love, but to respond to your love. And as that love strengthens us and encourages us and builds us up, we will seek to do that that work, that gifting, that calling that you've placed upon our lives. We want to finish well, Lord. We want to move into those gifts and responsibilities and works that you've laid aside for us And we want to appear before you when you say, well done, you good and faithful servant.
And this is all for your glory. Amen.